came across a story that someone had put on the internet several years ago about what she said happened to her when she was at a campground in Montauk, New York State. It happened in 1971 when Michelle Guerin was a teenager and she went missing from Ditch Plains Campground. She says, During a visit to my uncle's campsite at Ditch Plains in Montauk, I was missing for two to three hours, and my uncle remembers it. It happened in 1971. Years later, in 2003, she began to write about what happened to her after she underwent hypnosis with a doctor called Dr. Kudrell. This was in an attempt to recover more of her memories about it. She recalls her arrival at the campsite. She says, We arrive and I change into my bathing suit. Then she puts her shorts on top of her bathing suit. She says it's boring, so I'm going to look around. I walk off, and after a while, I pass a group of surfers camping there. One of them looks familiar. It's F, and she uses an abbreviation rather than the person's actual name. It's F's brother. He asks me if I've seen F yet. He says that he's surfing, so I decide to walk down to look for him in the water. I spot him, and when he heads in, he calls my name. He asks me if I want to take a walk later, and can I meet him back at the campsite. So later, I'm at the campsite with him, and we start walking. We walk about a mile, and then we walk into the dunes to find a quiet spot. There's a cliff and tall grass there. We sit down on his towel, and we start making out. We're laying down. Suddenly, I hear a loud buzzing, like lots of bees. We sit up. What is this? Something's not right. We should run away. I try to yell, but I can't talk. I can't move. I want my mum. It sounds like a car is coming, and then stops. The buzzing is louder. A man in a soldier's uniform is looking down at me. Another soldier kicks F. He says, he's out of it. There are two others with them. They pick me up. They carry F like firemen. We're in a jeep. We're going through some grass. There's a hill up ahead. The hill is moving. It looks like there's a door in the hill. It moves. We drive inside. Other men in black berets are inside. F is held by two men, and two take me. We go through a door into a bright hallway, and turn right at another hallway, and another. F is still going straight, but we stop at an elevator. Inside, we're going down, and then the door opens, and it's much darker down there. There's a smell, like a cesspool, and it's so cold. There's a door, and one of the soldiers opens it. The room is so dark I can hardly see. It looks like there's a padded table. They lay me down on it, then leave the room. I can't seem to move anything but my eyes. I don't like this. Over to my left, something moves. It's coming closer. I can see it better. Oh my God, it's a monster. She says, note, at this point, I got so agitated, I was almost jumping off the chair in the doctor's office. I couldn't stop crying and shaking, and I had to be calmed down before I could continue this. What I see is a creature about six to seven feet tall. His ears are large and pointed. His eyes are bright yellow. They glow. It has pointed teeth. He has a tail. He's coming towards me. I've never been so scared in my life. He comes to the foot of the table. His face is so close to mine. I hear raspy sounds. 
He puts something inside me, and I feel like I'm being ripped apart. He likes to see how terrified I am of him. It gives him a lot of pleasure. He goes back to the part of the room I first saw him in. They come in and they help me from the room. I'm taken to another well-lit room. There are machines I don't recognise. There's a table covered in white and lots of stainless steel equipment. I'm strapped down on the table. People come in wearing white masks and gowns. I feel a prick in my arm. She says that she remembers nothing after that until she comes around back at the beach in the dunes and F is beside her. She says that she also had recall of a dark cloaked figure. I do not recall any facial features since it was obscured by a hood, but I recall an interrogation by some very human-looking men in military attire. I was asked questions about what I call the little men, the greys. One of their questions was, "Who or what are they?" And I replied to them, "They are us." After this session, I was stymied. This was not something that I believed. And if there was a relationship, I've yet to connect the dots. I do not know why the beings I recalled did not appear to have souls. Well, Michelle, of course, wonders: Did she fabricate all of this? Did she just imagine this and dream it? She says, "I can certainly understand people questioning this. I still find myself questioning if it happened or if I fabricated it all." And it was this scepticism that made me look further into it. Forcing me to seek as much validation as I could. Is it suspicious or simply unfortunate coincidence that, when scheduled to speak about her experience in November 1991, she suffered a stroke two days before she was due to speak? She's had other flashbacks, including seeing a face of a person and a conversation that seemed to be telepathic, of him calling her "little one" and attempting to soothe her. She says, "I recall being in a dark place, afraid, floating in something that felt heavier than water. I had been standing naked in front of a metal door, struggling with a soldier with a machine gun, while a doctor told me I had to do it. I was pleading with him not to make me go in there. I'm afraid of drowning. I want to get out. Why do I have to be in here? I calm myself enough to float. I can feel wires attached to me." I stretch out my arms, trying to feel the walls that enclose me. Are my eyes open? Blackness, floating motion. I can see movement, shadows, and forms. Dark grey now. Don't be afraid, little one. Take my hand, and I will guide you. Grey turns to blue like the sky. White clouds. It feels like I'm flying. I see tranquil blue water, a beautiful lush hill. Mountainous areas, deep canyons, a big white building. Diving through the foam, the white foam of a deep blue wave. I'm underwater. I can see a dark entrance to a cave among the rocks and hills. This is a desolate place. I feel lonely, cold. Time is not what we think it is. Each moment is happening now. An endless loop that we can enter. At any point, but we should take care not to disrupt the loops. Well, on the eastern tip of Long Island, New York State, 
lies the isolated, desolate stretch of land that's now owned by the New York State Office and Parks. It's what remains of the former military base, and there's a huge radar dish, abandoned outbuildings and bunkers. This is Montauk. When it lay abandoned, it was a ripe place for urban explorers, although many found it a creepy place to venture into, as well as risky, in terms of safety and the possibility of getting caught for trespassing. It's not the overground remains of buildings that most intrigue. It's what lies underneath. One of the most widely held beliefs is that the former Air Force base comprises of facilities under the ground, amid the elaborate network of subterranean tunnels, and some believe it is still operational beneath the ground, and that it is home to a top-secret, nefarious black ops project of experiments. Some parts of the camp apparently remain closed, and some say that they're guarded, especially the areas near the old satellite and military installations. Richard Whelan, Vice President of the East Hampton Trails Preservation Society and a military history buff, interviewed by Sugar Harbour Press, said that he has explored Camp Hero in depth over the years, before, in fact, it was legal to do so, as well as afterwards. Well, he says there is nothing behind it. There's no mystery here. To the people who live here, this is all just about selling books. Interestingly, though, the deeds to Camp Hero state that although the above ground belongs to the Office of Parks and Recreation, everything below ground belongs to the government. Those termed conspiracy researchers think there is a lot more to Camp Hero than a local historian says. Most notably, there are also some witnesses that would disagree with this version of the story of Camp Hero. They say that they were underground and the circumstances of them being underground, were far from pleasant. Camp Hero, or Montauk, is an alleged place of child abductions, psychological warfare, experiments of torture, mind control, time travel, interdimensional travel, reptilians and greys, and a beast that cannot be defined. What are we to make of all of this? If we go back to Michelle's experience of being abducted near her uncle's campsite and allegedly taken underground, where she was placed in a room with a monster, well, Dr. Helmut Lammer, PhD, wrote My Lab's Military Mind Control and Alien Abduction in 2000. And he attempts to dissect her experience underground at Montauk. He says, We don't think that the military worked with this reptoid creature. It could be possible that she was drugged with an hallucinogen, raped by a human, and projected the reptoid as a kind of screen memory, although she described the skin and other features of the creature quite realistically. Well, this doctor goes on to say that researcher Dr. Stanislav Groff wrote that the strange alien world's LSD subjects discover and explore seem to have a reality of their own. Although not in the range of our cosmos, they appear to exist in other dimensions or in universes coexistent with ours. The drugged individuals on the hallucinogens can encounter entities who have bizarre physical forms. 
He gives the example of one female of his LSD subjects who had a sense of identification with a species of large reptiles, and while experiencing this, she opened her eyes and looked at the therapist, who seemed transformed into a reptile. She was fascinated by scales that she visualized on the side of the therapist's head. Well, some have phobias about reptiles. So Helmut, the researcher, says it would be logical that they would experience such beings if they were on a drug trip. From these LSD experiments, then it should be clear that Michelle's reptoid experience could have been drug-induced, where she possibly saw a human transformed into a reptoid, like some of Dr. Groff's test subjects. After the attack on her, Michelle was escorted to an examination room and strapped down. After this examination, she was forced into an isolation tank where she began to hallucinate. Declassified documents show that the intelligence agencies had great interest in this research, says Helmut, and used hallucinogens for cover stories to discredit individuals during these covert operations. So he says we believe that her experiences show there is evidence she was a victim of such deprivation experiments. If the abductee underwent hypnoprogramming by military psychiatrists, it should have been possible to create these imaginary alien encounters. He goes further. A research project by Dr. Alvin Lawson and Dr. W. C. McCall led to a scientifically testable hypothesis that at least some alien abduction experiences are birth memories, prenatal or birth memories. But this was mostly ridiculed by ET proponents. Well, in an attempt to evaluate alien abductee claims, they induced imaginary abduction experiences in sixteen volunteers who had demonstrated no prior significant knowledge of UFOs. Data from four imaginary and four real abduction cases apparently showed no substantive differences. Also, patterns of events echoing well-established details from real alien abduction encounters emerged from these imaginary sessions. All of the described incidents were identical with those in actual alien abductions, from the disc-like crafts to tunnels of light to bonding with an alien to passing through solid walls. So these researchers said that they found that these are especially similar to birth memory narratives of those experiments conducted with drugs by Stanislav Graf. In the birth memory study, he describes different types of non-human beings, from fetal to animal to robot to exotic creature to apparitional, and that these types apparently come close to the reported alien beings. So they were saying this is the reason why people without knowledge of reported alien entities report similar entities to abductees. One test subject described: "He has sort of scaly-like skin. I'm not comfortable, and the other scaly ones—they just seem to be sort of non-existent or guard-type things or something." So they say this imaginary abductee reported reptoid non-human beings on board an imaginary UFO, and this test subject was just as frightened as the real abductees, such as Michelle.
Well, what is very interesting also to note is that this research doctor, having conducted these experiments and had these unexpected results, was very surprised to find that although his research results were published in a very obscure and little-read journal, he said that he immediately began to receive literally hundreds of requests for more detailed information for military research centres worldwide. He says interested military intelligence psychologists should therefore be aware of the reported similarities between drug-induced hallucinations and alien abduction experiences spanning since the 1960s. And adds, we can see from this imaginary alien abduction study that it would be easy for psychiatrists who work for secret military or intelligence agencies to create alien abduction scenarios that appear similar to real abduction scenarios. Well, the researcher also attempted to discover if isolation tanks, such as the one Michelle described, being placed into water, really could exist. And what he discovered was that there was an inventor called Dr John Lilly, and he tried to find out how he could isolate the brain from the mind. He found such a tank inside a soundproof chamber in an isolated building near the campus of the National Institute of Health. Well, this tank had been constructed during Second World War for experiments by the Office of Naval Research into underwater swimming. Well, this was the beginning for research on isolation, including with the use of drugs. But it should be noted that Lilly was contacted by covert intelligence services for the Department of Defence. As the isolation tank research became known, various individuals from government agencies called him to find out about it. And Lilly claims that among them were researchers working in brainwashing. And they asked him if an isolation tank could be used to change belief systems of persons under coercion. They wanted to use the tanks for experiments in mind control and brainwashing. This doctor visualised that people's belief systems could be changed to the directions desired by the controlling persons. And he was convinced that military intelligence would indeed use this isolation technique for covert experiments. So Michelle's experiences, do they show us that this was what happened to her? Is she one of the victims of such an isolation deprivation tank experiment, being put in water, trying to separate her mind from her brain? If so, then I guess what they're saying is that this the monster that she saw in that room, in the dark room, when she was put in there on her own, could actually have been a human that attacked her and that she'd been given drugs and had hallucinated that it was a reptilian. On the other hand, of course, it doesn't rule out the possibility that there was this creature or monster. Who's to say that the creature didn't exist?